Hi, it's Kirsty here from A Facilitator's Journey and today is a solo episode. I thought I would share with you what my journey is to becoming a facilitator. Um, so settle in, grab a cuppa and I will begin. I'd like to take you back to April 2007 and at that time I was working for a global drinks company called Diageo and I had the auspicious title Global Sales Capability Manager and I was part of a three-person team who were the custodians of all the learning for the sales teams at Diageo. It was a brilliant role. I absolutely loved it. It was my dream job. I'd um, been enrolled for just under two years at that time. And it was, I was all about delivering learning. And I was in workshops, I was designing workshops, and I was delivering workshops. And I got to do it in multiple countries. And all looked good on paper. I was doing well I was moving on I was moving up um and who wouldn't want to work for a global drinks company where everyone has an opinion about Guinness or Smirnoff or Baileys however I was soon to find out that potentially that wasn't my truth on April the 7th I attended a workshop at the Queen's Club for um, as a it was a test workshop for a friend of mine who had designed this, this workshop all about creating outcomes and how you could bring them to life. And so there I was, I turned up on a Sunday, didn't quite know what was going to happen, uh, but I wanted to be there to support my friend, Rich Bellas. And in that workshop, I was told, you know, you've got to have an outcome. So what's the outcome you want to work on today? I wasn't too sure. Um, so I think I was just in a bit of a playful mood and I facetiously wrote, it's the 7th of April, 2009, and I am an NLP coach and trainer and I am £5,000 a month. Well, firstly, I was only midway through my own NLP journey, learning to be a master practitioner. Secondly, that sounded utterly ridiculous that I would be doing something like that and working for myself I, I really thought I was a corporate girl um and also just the money like could I really earn five thousand pounds a month that just seemed outrageous as well well for the rest of the day we worked on our values our beliefs associated with this particular outcome and the long and the short of it is by the time I was cycling home that evening the kernel, the seed of the idea that I could leave the corporate world um, had been firmly planted in my head. So much so, I rang a really good friend of mine, Simone, and I remember telling her, I, I think I might leave Diageo. I, I might become, you know, a coach, a trainer. I didn't even have the right words or the language for it at that time, but it was just this real felt sense. So what happened next though, was a summer, I just remember crying a lot because I was so unsure, like this was not the path I was, I thought I was destined to be on. So to put a bit more context, I'm a product of the 70s. Um, I'm a product of my parents. I was told that I would do my GCSEs, 
go and get my A-levels, go to university, get a job, buy a house, settle down, have children. And I just wasn't conforming to any of that. It just took me quite a while to realize that that wasn't my path. And I wasn't put on this planet to meet the expectation of my parents, which is that was my parents' uh, journey there. So when I was thinking about leaving Diageo, I had all these thoughts bouncing around my head, like, how, how am I going to leave? How does that work? Well, who am I going to work for? And I just didn't know anything about the world that I now inhabit. So I didn't know there was something called an associate so that I could potentially go and work for somebody else, but on my own terms um, as a freelancer. I didn't realize that I could just do freelance work um, on a temporary contract. So there's this whole other world. I also knew, though, that I couldn't just hand in a letter of resignation. I needed a plan on how I was going to walk out the corporate door and feel comfortable. I think also it's important to say at that time, there was no thing as redundancy and there wasn't a, um, a reorg coming up that seems to happen in lots of organizations every two years now. So I didn't have that to fall back on. So I had to make a plan. So over six months, I remember I talked to lots of different people who I could trust would keep the confidence and, and not tell senior people in the business that I was going to leave. And I thought about these people in different categories. So I had the experts. So these are people who had already left the corporate world and had set themselves up in a business. So I went and spoke to them, interviewed them to understand what was it they did that I could do as well in terms of what is the natural next steps. I spoke to my guides. So these were people often older than myself who had also left the corporate world and had done, I guess, worked in the areas that I wanted to work in. So I went and spoke with them to understand what it was they had done that, again, I could learn from, but also they were giving me advice, which I really, really wanted around where, what type of work I could do, where I could find it, who I should be talking to. I also have my cheerleaders. So I think cheerleaders are really, really important. So these are often your family and friends, but they are the people who are going to be bigging you up versus questioning you and looking at you going, are you crazy? And these are also the people that aren't in judgment. So their own belief systems aren't getting in the way. So they're not the ones are saying, aren't you brave? Often that, if someone says that to you, that's a reflection of them versus anything to do with you. Um, so we have the guides, the experts, the cheerleaders. And I remember talking to all these different types of people to help me come and make a decision. Um, one of the experts, uh, one of the mentors I spoke to, we talked all about finance. So they helped me project, uh, make a projection of what it was I needed to have in the bank so that I could step out of Diageo and know that if I didn't work for three months, which is a real possibility when you first set out, 
um, get no income? Have I got enough money in the bank to live, basically, to pay the bills, to pay the mortgage, to pay my rent, to eat? So doing that kind of exercise with the finances was important. Also to then say, well, how much money do I need to earn every month? was another exercise that helped me then understand how many days of work I may need a month. So that was happening from April through to October. And by the time I got to early October 2007, I had an associate um, contract with a great company, Expression for Growth. And they had said they would take me on as one of their sales associates. And that gave me real confidence that I could step forward and resign. So the day comes, I can still see myself now in a place called 7HP, 7HQ, um, which is out at Hanger Lane, where Diageo used to be based. And my boss is sitting opposite me and I push an envelope across the table and tell him that I'm leaving. And he was so shocked. He was like, what? What are you going to do? Where are you going to go? And I said, I'm setting up my own business and he said okay but doing what and I said oh, I'm going to be a coach I'm going to be a trainer I don't know but this is what I want to do and he said but do you who are your customers and I said oh I don't really know yet and I genuinely was super vague he must have thought I was bonkers I said I do have a company name and at that time my first business was called Blue Tortoise and he was like right okay um and basically, we agreed that I would leave in at the end of December because I had a series of projects to deliver. And he was, I think he was stunned. What happened next then really confirmed to me that I'd made the right decision to leave. Because about two weeks later, he, I remember Phil ringing me one, one evening, just very early, about 6 p.m., saying, um, Ron wants to talk to you. So Ron was the chief operating officer at Diageo. Um, he was like my grandfather role. I think it's the best way to describe it. And Phil said, no, he wants to talk to you to understand about your decision to resign. And I think he wants to talk to you about possible job offers within Diageo to see if you would stay. And I remember thinking, hmm, but I don't want to stay. So it felt very flattering that someone wanted to talk to me at a senior level and offer me some other big roles, but it just didn't sit well with me. And it's because I'd done the work on my values and what was most important to me at that time. So I had the meeting with Ron and again, it felt very clear to me in my body that the decision I was making was the right one because it was totally congruent with the values um, that I had around stepping out and starting my own business and becoming, in this instance, an associate. So I wanted to share that with you, because if you are sitting there right now considering leaving the corporate world and thinking, like, how do I go about that? What, what, Where do I start? What do I need to do? I'd say those were some of the steps that I took that may be of use to you. So... If it's, some, if it's an itch that's starting to come up, notice it. Who can you talk to who has already done this that you could go and have a conversation with to understand the steps they took? Um, if it becomes really obvious that this is what you want to do, what are the financials that need to be in place? 
if you are married or you have a significant other, I'd really recommend that you have a conversation with them as well. Because if you don't talk to them and get aligned, um, I guess there could be a mismatch. I, I didn't have a significant other at the time, so it was just down to me. And then who are your cheerleaders? So who's going to support you in this process as you go through it? Um, and then work out your exit strategy from the business that you're in. Please, please, please don't just have, just because you get a complete well of emotion and passion to leave, make sure you've got a plan. And if you are for, fortunate enough that you can take voluntary redundancy, and if potentially you are made redundant, and as weird as that can be at the time, uncomfortable or exciting, um, is if that helps create a more of a cushion, a softer landing, then take it is what I would say. I wanted to share that story with you. If you've got any questions, come find me in the world of social media. So I'm there on LinkedIn as Kirsty Lewis. I'm on Instagram as School of Facilitation. And you can come and ask me any questions you want, maybe about your thoughts of leaving. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please hit like, please hit subscribe. If you want to leave us some feedback, you can do that as well. Otherwise, thank you. Have a good day. And I look forward to seeing you at the next podcast.